month, as we begin this year, uh, this month of January, we're calling you to a spirit of prayer because we understand that not just as individuals but as a church, what God does in our church through this year will be as His people pray. We want to start the year in a spirit of prayer. And not just in these 28 days, but to continue throughout the year to pray together as a church for our church. It is important, it is of inestimable value to us as individual believers for us to spend time individually in prayer. But there is something special when God's people join together in prayer, in the same place often but also when we join together during a season of prayer to bond our hearts together for prayer. In the book of Acts, I love that many times when it comes to the matter of prayer, God does not instruct like we instruct. If we were going to do this, we'd probably say, well, you know, we want to teach about prayer, so we're going to have a grow class about prayer, or we're going to have a Sunday school series of lessons about prayer. Here's 17 things you need to know about prayer. When God demonstrates prayer or teaches prayer, He does so by giving us a living, breathing example. In the book of Acts, you don't find lessons or sermons on prayer, but you find the people of God, as they experience the Spirit of God at work in the church, you find them continually in prayer. It starts in Acts chapter 1 when they're trying to decide who will replace Judas. And so they spend time in prayer. As they are anticipating and waiting for the day of Pentecost, what are they doing? They are together in prayer. And in our text this morning, we'll see what happens when the church prays together. We often call this corporate prayer. Corporate just means the body praying. The church praying together. And I believe that often in our culture, we have swung too far in the direction of the individual experience of Christianity. We need to have an individual experience. My walk with God could not have been my parents. I had to know Christ for myself. I don't just worship and I don't just walk with God when I come together as the body of believers. Every single day I need to be walking with God. I need to have that personal experience with God. Students, it can't be your parents, it can't be your grandparents, it can't be your leaders. It has to be your walk with God. But when we do that, if we're not careful, we will miss the corporate expression of the body of Christ, of the following Christ, that we do so as a body of believers. And we see that in this text, we see that through the book of Acts. As we look at this this morning, you understand the story that sets up Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 3, in the first verse, it says that Peter and John went up to the temple in the hour of prayer. What do you think they were doing together in the hour of prayer? Well, I don't think it's a far stretch to see that they were going to the temple to pray together. As they do, they see a man there who's lame. He reaches out and asks for alms from Peter and John. Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says immediately his ankle bones received strength. Dr. Luke, as he's writing, knows exactly the anatomy of what takes place in this man's healing. The man is healed. It stirs the crowd up. They begin to preach in the name of Jesus. 
which gets the leaders angry. They take them into prison, and they say, if we punish these guys, uh, the crowd's going to be angry. We can't stir the crowd up, but we can't have them going around preaching and doing these things in the name of Jesus. They didn't deny that the man had been healed, but they just didn't want things to be bothered. And so they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to threaten them. And so they called them in and they threatened them and they said, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And that sets up our text this morning in Acts chapter 4. Look with me, if you will, in verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that... They, the church, lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Now, I want to pause right there and just say something about the church praying together. In the book of Acts, when we see the church praying together, there's a number of things that are taking place. First of all, there's community taking place. And when we as a church, through the month of January, commit to praying together, it is binding together the believers. It is building the body of Christ in community together and with Christ. When, when you serve with a brother or sister in Christ, there's a bond that takes place. And when you pray with a brother or sister in Christ and you spend time in prayer, you, you get to know their heart. Nothing will reveal the heart of a brother or sister in Christ like praying together with them and hearing their heart and hearing their prayer. I remember a couple of ladies that on our, in a Wednesday night prayer meeting over the years would join together as prayer partners, prayer buddies. We would get together in two or three and they would pray together. And over the years, they, got, they didn't even know each other the first time they prayed together. But over the years, they became strong friends. They became strong Christian sisters in that moment of prayer. Why? Because they had spent time praying together. As we pray together, God strengthens the body of Christ. So there's community that takes place. God's people praying together is also ministry. Now, it is not the, all the work we do, but it is the great work, G. Campbell Morgan says, that it, prayer is the great work. And so we pray, and that in itself... I, look, I love when I visit with people who are shut in, and they talk about how the things they can't do anymore... I can't come to church anymore. I can't teach a class anymore. I used to sing in the choir, but I can't sing in the choir anymore. But they're finding that there is something extremely important and valuable that they can contribute to the body of Christ. They can still pray for the church. And I value their prayers. Why? Because many of them can get a hold of the throne of God and they pray. So prayer is ministry. Prayer is work. When we pray together, there's also discipleship that takes place in the church, praying together. We grow together in Christ. There's a number of ways this takes place. Our children learn about prayer as they hear us praying. Our students experience prayer. Again, when Jesus teaches about praying, it's not just instruction and it's not just a teaching, a lesson. Here's, here's all these points about prayer. It is What did he say when the disciples came to him? They came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus said, well, get my PowerPoint out and we'll do a slideshow on what prayer is. No, he says, when you pray, and he began to pray a prayer, a model prayer for the disciples to follow. Why? It's instructional. 
as the believers are praying here. They are saying things that are true about God. And so there's instruction that goes on, but it's not just for those who are young in age. It's those who are young in the faith. Nothing has blessed my heart over the years more than seeing young Christians who start out with what I call baby talk in prayer. Some of them not even able to pray out loud at first, but they begin to grow in their prayer life. And after a while, you hear them pray, you're almost like, hey, uh, give somebody else some time to talk to God. (laughs) They're praying and they're talking. Why? Because it's not just a bunch of phrases strung together. It is the heart having conversation with our Heavenly Father. And they learn and they grow in prayer. So as we pray together during this month, I hope that even those of us who have been saved for a long time will grow in Christ together as we spend, as we commit to a time of prayer. There's worship involved when the church prays together. It is one of the acts of worship. It is one act of worship in the New Testament for the church to pray together. As we join together for 28 days, it's going to be 28 days of us worshiping God. But it is also, when the church prays corporately, when the church prays together, it is spiritual warfare. Do you know that one of the weapons of our warfare, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they are not fleshly, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are the weapons of our warfare? Ephesians chapter 6 When he says, put on the whole armor of God, he says, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying always. The weapons that we have are the Word of God and prayer. So when we pray, we are engaging in spiritual warfare. I don't think it's a surprise to any of us who have been saved for any length of time that the Christian life and the work of the church and the message of the gospel is a spiritual battle. I'm not one of these that sees the demonic spirit behind every bush. But I think, I don't think, I believe according to the scripture, that the ideologies and the the thinking of this world and the different religions of this world are propagated by evil spirits. Paul said that. Paul said that with every Greek, every God that the Greeks worship, it is an evil spirit, it is a demonic spirit. And so the philosophies of this world and the challenges that we face, we are doing spiritual battle. So when we pray together, we're going to war. You can go to war by yourself, and we do that. I'm thankful for prayer warriors. But we join together to battle and fight for the kingdom of God. As we look at this text this morning and these verses of this description of this prayer that the church prayed together, I want to point out something to you because this is key. Look in verse 23 again, or verse 24. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice. Now, this is not a grammar lesson this morning, but in grammar, in the English language, there's really two things. There's singular and there's plural. Singular is how many? One. Rest of you just got an F in language class. Singular is one. Plural is more than one. Okay, y'all did a little bit better that time. We'll raise your grade to a D minus. We're, we're moving you up. They is plural. So they is the group of the church together. They lifted up 
there, what is there? Plural. It's possessive, but it's plural. They lifted. So this is not one person. This is not Peter praying. This is not John praying. This is the church praying together. But as the different they group pray, what is the plural form of voice? It's voices. There's more than one voice. It's voices. But the word here in our Bibles and in the underlying language is a singular word. It is the voice of the church as they prayed in what? In one accord. When the church prays together in unity with one purpose, praying together in the same spirit of God, what takes place? It is not a multitude of voices clamoring for the attention of God. It is the one voice of the body of Christ as physically manifested in a local church calling out to God for his blessing and his power. And so that's what we're calling you to do this month. In all the various ways, any way that you can, as we have, we'll explain some of the ways in just a moment. But in all of these, we're calling our church to lift up our voice to God. What are we expecting? What are we by faith trusting to take place? Well, I want you to see three things in this text this morning. First of all, as we pray together in prayer month, in the 28 days of prayer, we are trusting God for God's praise to be made known. Do you see this in verse 24? What's the first thing they do as they begin to pray? They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. What's the very first thing they do? They begin to express praise to God. They express a truth. They're not reminding God of something that he didn't already know. God knows who he is. The Lord knows that he is God. The Lord knows that he has done these things. But they are expressing a truth in praise to God. And our desire as we pray together is not so we'll have a convenient year. It's not so everything will go smoothly in all the events we have planned this year. But our prayer and our desire and our ultimate goal is for God to get the glory through His church in 2024. That's our desire. We want the praise of God to be expressed. They go on. As, what, is, what does Jesus teach us in Matthew chapter 6? the model prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, what's the first part of prayer? After we've addressed the God who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Worship and praise is the ultimate purpose of prayer. Not getting what we want, but giving God what he deserves. Somebody ought to else ought to said amen on that. Our purpose is to express the praise of God. They go on down through this and they express his praise, not only through his wonders, you created all these things, but also the, his word, who by the mouth of thy servant David, they begin to quote the scriptures, has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. They begin to talk about the work of God for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. Look at verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. What are they doing? They are magnifying the sovereignty of God that worked through the evil choices of mankind to accomplish his purpose. 
As Peter would say in Acts chapter 2, you by evil hands took and slew the Son of God. But he also says in that same sermon that this was the predeterminate counsel of God. God is not sovereign in that he details everything and causes every detail to happen. It is not something that is deterministic, but it is something that supersedes that even when man does evil actions, God overpowers and accomplishes his purpose even through their evil actions. And that's what they're calling on when they call out for prayer. Look, when we pray and we ask God to do things that only God could have done, and when we see to be more than just a busy religious people, busy doing religious churchy things, but to be a people who are experiencing God doing what only God could have done, praying Lazarus kind of prayers, praying for God to accomplish things and do things that only he could have done. It is for his glory. It is for his honor. And it is so the world will not look and say, wow, what a church, but look and say, oh, what a savior. We pray for God's praise to be made known. But we also pray during this time, we're praying and trusting God for his power to be manifested. In verse 30, he says in the end of verse 29, grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Much could be said about what their request is, but he says, how is this going to happen? By stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. When they prayed, the place was shaken. They're praying for God's power to be manifested. How is God's power manifested? God's power is manifested through empowering his people. We'll see more about that in a moment. It's through the experience of the miraculous of what God does. These miracles that they were praying for were the affirmation of the message. We no longer need the affirmation of the message. We have the completed message. We have the message of the gospel. But we pray for God to do through his message miraculous things that only he could do to change lives, to touch lives, to do greater works than what Jesus said. He said, you've seen the miracles that I do, but greater works will you do. What is the greater work? Greater work than the raising of the dead, greater than the healing of the blind and the sick and the lame. All of those miracles were temporary miracles, but the power of the gospel is an eternal, eternally lasting miracle. It is something that transcends this lifetime. It goes beyond this lifetime. And when this body that may, have been, may or may not have been healed is dead and gone and disintegrated back into dust, my eternal soul that has been saved by the power of the gospel will still be enjoying the blessings of the gospel. That's what we're praying for. We're praying for God to do those things. We're praying for souls to be saved. We're praying for God to work. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. We'll proclaim the gospel, but unless the Spirit of God draws them, no man can come to God except the Spirit draws him. And we're praying that as we share the gospel, it's not going to be in how effective we are at it. It's not going to be in how persuasive we are, though we persuade men, Paul said. It is going to be in the power of the Spirit of God that takes the message of the gospel and the power of the gospel that is the message unto salvation to all who believe. We're going to have revivals 
scheduled through this year in the spring and the fall. And we're praying for God to work with those pastors that are coming to preach, those men of God that are coming to preach. They will not bring revival with them. Unless the Spirit of God moves and works in our hearts, we will not experience and see revival. So we're praying for God's power to be manifested. And in our every week services, we can go through the motions and we can do all the things that we do and we can do them well, and we can have services, and we can walk out and say, wow, that was a wonderful service. But what we're praying for is for the power of God to work every single week, for souls to be saved, for lives to be changed, for hearts to be convicted, for reviving to take place, for renewal to take place, for growth in Christ to take place. And how is that going to happen? Is that going to happen because we're good at what we do? Or is it going to happen because the Holy Spirit does the work through us? We're praying for the power of God to be manifested. And then the place was shaken. Now, I don't know what would happen if this place was shaken as we were having a prayer meeting. This was not a scheduled prayer meeting they had. This was not announced. This was not a prayer, pray 28 kind of thing. This was just a spontaneous time of getting on their knees and calling out to God. And the place was shaken. There's so much I could say about that. I think sometimes it wouldn't hurt us a little bit for the place to be shaken. We get so settled into our routine and we get settled into contentment and apathy. And God maybe doesn't need to physically shake our building. He needs to shake us. He needs to stir among his people. And that's what we're praying for as we pray together our prayer. And not just through these 28 days, but to start in these days praying through the rest of this year, praying for God to work, for God to empower, for his power to be manifested. But then there's a third thing that we're trusting God for, and that is, is that God's people will be mobilized. Look in verse 31. You remember what they prayed for back in 29? Verse 29, grant that with all boldness your servants may speak your word. Verse 31, when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they did what? They spoke the word of God with boldness. Did God answer the prayer that they prayed? Yes, he did. But what was the prayer? So that they would escape persecution? So that something bad would happen to those leaders who had dared to threaten them? No, They said, God, you have called us to proclaim your word. Give us boldness that whatever happens, however they threaten, Lord, you have heard their threatenings. You have heard what the people have said. You have heard what the kings of the earth have said. Lord, you have seen what America's culture is headed. You have seen the pressure that many believers are under. You have seen the challenges of sharing the gospel in this day. But Lord, grant us boldness that as a church, the people of Central Baptist Church may speak your word with boldness. And what happened? The Spirit of God came on them and they proclaimed the word with boldness. Our prayer and desire is not that just we'll have 28 days of prayer and we'll settle after that and we'll say, well, look at us, pat ourselves on the back. We had 28 days of prayer. I'll bet you nobody else prayed for 28 days. No. It is for God to get the glory, for God's power to work through us, and for us to be empowered to do His work. That's 
That's our desire. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're, by faith, trusting God to begin this year that every member and attender of this church, whether they're here this morning or whether they'll be here next Sunday and they'll get their prayer guides then and they'll jump in next week, but that every single person that's a part of Central Baptist Church will participate in some way during these 28 days of prayer as we pray together. What is that going to look like? Well, there will be some that will be able to do a lot of things in prayer. There will be some that will only be able to do a few. But here, I want to share with you this morning four things. If we can go to our slides, I want to show four things, four ways that you'll be able to participate in prayer. I'm going to pray that it shows up real soon. All right, there we go. That's rather small, so let's go to the, I want to walk you through these. The first one is prayer guides. On this altar up here will be prayer guides. There's two different kinds. You can see there's blue and there's orange. The blue is for those who are really, really spiritual. Just joking. The blue ones are the, for the adults and the students. The orange ones are special ones that have been prepared for the children. There's no way to distinguish that except the color, so that's just so you know. Orange is for the? And the blue is for everybody? Hey, that was good. Y'all did pretty deep, especially this crowd right in here. The rest of y'all are still trying to get the sound delay. But the prayer guides, these are not based on a day-by-day, so, oh, well, if I miss this day, I'm off. These are based on requests. These are based on categories and topics of prayer, specifically for our church and related to our church. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to pray about your needs or pray about your burdens, but the purpose of this 28 days, these 28 days, is for us to pray for God to work in and through our church. And so there's lists, there's some, you can write some of your own, some that we've shared. There's a page in there that's what I call Pray for Ten, and it's the top ten people that you know that God burdens your heart to pray for this year. Some may need to be saved, some may need to be revived, some may be going through challenges, but you can list those ten. doesn't mean you don't pray for anybody else through the year, but that's the ten that you focus on and you pray for. But it's a guide that will guide you, not just through these 28 days, but through the rest of the year to pray for God's blessing and for God to work. A second way that you can be involved is our house of prayer. Every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, those of us who are not involved in the children's ministry or the student ministry meet in the chapel for a time of prayer. And it's a time of prayer. It is a time when we focus on praying for the needs that are shared, praying for our missionaries, praying for the, praying for the unreached people groups and other needs that are mentioned. But we will join each Sunday evening, except tonight, when we'll be over having cocoa and cookies. And we'll also be praying as well. But we'll have a theme and an emphasis each Sunday night that you can join with us. You may not be able to come to all the Sunday evenings, but if you can come to one or come to two, come to more than you think you can. A third way that you can be involved is our home prayer meetings. We have eight of these scheduled through the month of January. They'll be available on our church website. You can sign up on the back at Grand Central. And these are a certain number that are available. So you can sign up to go and go to someone's home. We've got eight individuals or families that have graciously agreed to host a prayer meeting in their home at different times. You, may, you won't be able to go to all of these, but you can go to one. You can go to the one that's near you or you can go to one that's somebody that you know and spend the time together in a small group praying together praying for God's power and for God's glory. And there'll be various times and locations. If you need any help with that, 
any of the pastors will be glad to help you um, in, in getting registered and signed up for that. Another way, fourth way, is our Saturday prayer chain. Every Saturday through this month, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., we're going to have a prayer chain. You can sign up as an individual. You can sign up as a family to take 30 minutes. You don't have to take the four, do it four Saturdays. Maybe you think, man, pray in 30 minutes. Use your prayer guide. Use the requests that are in it and spend time in prayer. Families, this is a great time to pray together. But take one or two or three or four of these times. That's we got 12 hours each Saturday. That's 24 time slots that you can take a time and you can spend time in prayer, praying for God's blessing on the next Lord's Day, on God's blessing on our services on the next Sunday. All of these are ways. And then, of course, at the end of the month, our Prayer Emphasis Sunday, Pastor Mark Agan from Community Baptist Church in Siler City will be here. Longtime friend of mine who believes firmly in the power of prayer. His church has recently, since I asked him to come, this. His church has experienced two or three weeks of revival, and the revival was based completely not around a speaker, not around programmed or planned services, but God began to work, and they met together for three weeks every night of prayer, and dozens were saved, lives were changed simply through God's people praying. And so we'll end the month with that. You can be involved in, here's my desire, here's, here's my burden for this, is that every person here this morning will commit and say, in at least one or some of these ways, I'm going to participate. I'm going to be a part of Pray 28. I'm going to be a part of this because there's something for everyone. I can't imagine it being anywhere near possible that someone could say, you know what, there's just no way I can do anything of this because you know what, you can by yourself at home, you can pray for our church. But I'm asking everybody to commit Here's how we're going to do this this morning. In a moment, we're going to stand like we normally do for an invitation. And the invitation is going to be this. If you will commit to participating in Pray 28, I want to ask you to come. Come as an individual. Don't come unless somebody physically can't come. Don't get a prayer guide for them. Come and get yours. Get a prayer guide and then just simply go back to your seat. That is your act of commitment saying, I will be a part of this prayer month. I will be a part of praying together as the church. And they lifted up their voice. My heart's desire is that in this month, God will hear loudly the voice of Central Baptist Church. Will you bow your heads for prayer this morning? We're going to have a moment of invitation in a moment again. We'll stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed at that point. And when we do, if God is speaking to you and you want to be a part, you will say, by this, I'm making a commitment that in some way I'm going to participate in one or more of these opportunities during prayer month. You can step down. Children can get the orange. Adults and students can get the blue. We'll give you plenty of time. If these run out, we've got more to the side. This is my commitment. Father, I pray that you'll speak to us and that we will, as a church family and a church body, commit to pray during the month of January. We ask this in Jesus' name. We're standing. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.